The first reading is Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 to 22. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. The second reading is from James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Well, thanks, Tim, and hello to you from wherever it is that you are watching. It is so good, so good to have you with us today. Uh, This week we are wrapping up our series, uh, Praying Big Prayers, Uh, and I think it's fair to say for those who have been tracking through this series with us, that hasn't it been a really encouraging series? Actually quite a faith-building series, isn't it, as we've thought about the power of praying big prayers. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of the weeks, make sure you go back and catch up. You can do that really easily. We've got a playlist uh, of them uh, for you on our YouTube channel that you should track through. But after the last four weeks, we have looked at what we can learn from the prayer life of Daniel, of Nehemiah, of Elijah, of Paul and Silas. Each one of them a specific example of a believer praying to God for something that would not be possible apart from him. And as we've read and we learned and we explored those passages together, we heard of all the amazing things that God did in response to his people praying. And so today we want to pull all those threads together and just consider, so what does this mean for us today? (laughs) Because we don't want to get to the end of a series like this one, do we? And just look back and think, wow, I am really impressed by the faith of Daniel and Nehemiah and Elijah and Paul and Silas. What an interesting series we've done as PBC family, right? That's not the point, right? The point is to allow their prayers to spur us on to be praying big prayers in our day, in our context, in our everyday lives. You know, to be praying for a move of God in our city and in our sent places. To be praying that addictions and strongholds would be broken in the name of Jesus. To pray for broken relationships to be restored. 
and for broken people to find freedom and healing as they encounter the goodness of God for themselves. Lives transformed. That's what we're on about as a church, remember? And don't think that praying this way is for someone else either. All right, Tim already read for us that, that second reading in James where James just says, yeah, Elijah was, he was a human just like we are. And you're praying big prayers is not for the, is not just for the superheroes of our faith or for those with super amounts of faith. Praying big prayers is for everyday believers in their everyday lives. You, me, all of us in the midst of whatever is going on in our lives. And I think it's fair to say that we know the stories of God answering prayer, don't we? We hear them, we've experienced them in our own lives. The testimonies of the power of prayer, they're not just confined to history or they're not just confined to the scriptures. They are being written in our lives and they're being written all across our church community and will continue to be so. So I'm going to ask you to pause the video in a moment to give you an opportunity to share with the people that you are uh, watching with or to reflect on if you are watching alone. And we do this to build the faith of ourselves, but also one another, as we recall the goodness of God in response to prayers that we've prayed over the years. So here are the questions. Where have you seen the power of God in your own life? And what does it mean to you? What is the impact it has on you to pray big prayers? You know, Tim read for us the story of the withered fig tree in Matthew chapter 21. Now, Jesus doesn't wither the fig tree in order to teach on prayer. It's got a whole other point and there's a whole other sermon that goes along with that. Uh, But the context for this story is that this is the final week of Jesus' life, nearly days before his crucifixion. And it means that the disciples have now been closely following Jesus for up to three years seeing all that he did, hearing all that he taught, even getting a taste of ministering in the same power as they were sent out to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the towns. I mean, they have seen Jesus take command of the forces of nature. They have seen him multiply matter over these years in the feeding of the 5,000. They've seen him change matter in turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana. They have seen lifelong physical conditions healed as simply a touch by Jesus. Even the reverse of the most powerful force of all, death, be overturned at a word, at a command from Jesus. And yet, in light of all of this, what is their response when they see that what Jesus prayed actually came to pass? Well, Matthew records it for us. They were amazed, astonished. They marveled, they were surprised after all they've seen and after all they've experienced. Like, these guys frustrate me so much sometimes. I mean, we would never be like them, would we? Or would we? You see, let's be honest. We too are sometimes painfully slow on the uptake. Infuriatingly slow. We can be slow to make something a matter of prayer. We can be slow to believe in the power of prayer. 
We can be slow to trust that God hears and cares and responds to our prayers. And so Jesus uses this reaction, his disciples' reaction, as an opportunity to teach them and through them us once again on the power of prayer. (laughs) Jesus goes, a fig tree, guys? Come on. God is bigger than that and prayer is more powerful than that. When you think this is something, man, with faith you could say to that mountain, go jump in the sea, and it would. Now, Jesus is using hyperbole here. I don't think we're called to go around re-landscaping creation quite like this. But his point is clear. Prayer is powerful. You shouldn't be surprised that prayer does make a difference. The passage in James is similar in that, you know, Elijah prayed and for three years it did not rain and then he prayed and it did. So when you're in trouble, wouldn't you pray about that? And when you're sick, like, don't you think you should get prayer for that? Because prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. So pray about things. At this point in the message, I think there's a really natural question to be pondering as we continue. And that's this. What are you not making a matter of prayer that should be? What are you not making a matter of prayer that should be? You know, this year I've been particularly challenged about my lack of belief in the power of prayer when it comes to a a specific person in my life. And for, I'll be honest, quite some years now, I've kind of just, I've just kind of written them off when it comes to them welcoming a move of God in their life. I kind of saw them as being very fixed in their worldview and, and you know where Paul talks about, you know, open doors uh, for sharing the gospel? Well, I felt this has been a door that has been firmly shut, possibly locked, and definitely with a do not disturb sign out the front. And so I have to admit that I've, my prayers have kind of been half-hearted at best and more often than not, non-existent to my shame. Uh, But this year, some things have started to shift uh, for that person, and I'm suddenly seeing opportunities and more openness than ever before. And it's caused me to start praying or continue praying after quite a long absence. And I've even asked others to join me in that as well. And then herein lies the challenge to my personal prayer life. Why did I need something to shift in order for me to start praying and believing in the power of prayer? Surely faith in prayer is based not on the circumstances before us, but on the one in whom our faith is placed. Surely faith in prayer is not dependent upon what we think is probable, but what is possible with God. I mean, God hasn't changed this year. He hasn't suddenly got more powerful or more caring about welcoming this particular lost prodigal home. So why has my prayers needed this in order to shift? I think it's quite challenging and rightly so because both of these passages naturally bring up the role that faith plays when it comes to praying and in seeing answers to prayer. You know, at its most basic Without faith, I don't think we pray about much at all. Faith has the role in our lives of actually initiating our prayers, catalyzing our prayers, giving fuel to our ongoing prayer life. Faith gives rise to the big prayer cries of our heart. 
as we reach them up to our loving Heavenly Father. You know, we believe in the power of prayer because we believe in the goodness and the power of the God that we pray to. Now, verses like Matthew chapter 21 and James chapter 5 need a little extra explaining, don't they? You see, both of these passages come at the end of their respective letters. And the authors, Matthew and James, would have assumed that you have read everything that they've written beforehand. Now, both have covered prayer before, writing of the things that these verses are meant to also be understood in light of. For Matthew, he's already covered Jesus' teaching about how to pray in chapter 6, that great Lord's Prayer, which includes obviously the phrase, you know, praying that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he'll record Jesus modeling that for us in the Garden of Gethsemane only a few chapters later. For James, he's already challenged his readers about the way they pray, particularly not praying about some stuff. He says, you do not ask because you do not have. But he also challenges them about some of the prayers that they are praying and the reason that they're not seeing answers for them. He says, you're asking for the wrong stuff for the wrong reasons. That's a rough paraphrase there in chapter 4. And that feeds into our understanding of these verses, as does the many references in the Gospel of John and throughout the other uh, New Testament letters about the importance of praying in Jesus' name and aligning our prayers to the very heart of God and his will for his people. Now, I think it's fair to say that some have focused so narrowly on these verses to the exclusion of all else, they've ended up with a slightly twisted version of what is actually being said here. Now, to be fair, at first glance, these verses do appear like blank checks to ask for whatever we want, and if we have just enough faith, then we'll get what we want. The trouble is, though, that then faith becomes the tool the substance we need in order to obtain what we desire from God. It's the thinking that, well, if I just have the right tool, faith, and I use it in just the right way, I have enough faith for what I desire, then I can extract from God the outcome that I desire. That doesn't sound right, does it? You see, our faith is not in the desired outcome of our prayers, nor is our confidence in the quality of our faith when praying. That would make it about us, not about God. Instead, our faith is in God. He is the object of our faith. It is faith in his character, in his heart, in his promises, and in his consistent desire to bring his kingdom to bear in our lives and in our world. And so we don't come to God in prayer as a genie to extract wishes from. We come to God as a loving Heavenly Father who created us, who loves us, who knows us more than we know ourselves and who knows what is eternally best for us. I just want to state once again that His heart is for us. He's for you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And it's this faith or this trust in him that shapes what we pray for and how we pray about it. And so let me ask you this. If, if you had greater trust in God, in, in who he is, in his loving kindness towards you, 
in his care and concern for you and the people in your life? What big prayers might you be prompted to pray that you aren't already? Well, as we finish our series, of course, we want to hear one more story of God moving in response to prayer, don't we? And so I get the privilege of sharing Annabelle's testimony with you now. Uh, Having heard this testimony uh, a little while ago of how she's experienced God's hand in her life over this year, I just knew you had to hear it because I know it will encourage you and remind you of the God that we pray to and the ways that he moves in response to the heart cries of his children. So thank you, Annabelle. Um, Hi, everyone. So my name's Annabelle. For those of you who haven't met me yet, I'm still relatively new to PBC. I started coming around May or June, and since I started coming, I've just been blown away by how welcoming and supportive and encouraging everyone was to me from the moment that I walked in the door. So I guess I just wanted to encourage you all with my testimony of 2020, because I know it's been a very rough year for a lot of people, but I've been super blessed that my story has been almost the opposite of what we're seeing a lot of this year. So for a bit of context, the years leading up to 2020 were pretty rough for me. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with anxiety and was pretty severe at that time, then developed an eating disorder, some pretty unpleasant health issues, and also... Once I graduated high school and started uni, I became really isolated and withdrawn from most of the people in my life. So at the beginning of 2020, I sat down and I wrote down some sort of dreams, prayers, hopes of areas I really wanted God to work in my life. So I was hoping to see improvement in my mental health, improvement in my physical health, and to find connection with people again. Um, So I wrote all those down and then... 2020 sort of just happened. Um, There was a period where I sort of felt like I had to put my prayers on hold for a bit while we focused on we need to overcome COVID and all these other things. But I was really lucky that I had family and friends who continued to pray for me and support me and encourage me to be believing for those things in my life. And so it came to the point just over a month or so after Bible study one night, I sat down and was looking at that list of prayers again. And I realized that God had pulled through and answered my prayers in every single one of them, but not just that he'd surpassed what I'd been praying for. So not only had I seen improvement in my physical health, but I'd seen complete healing. Not only had my mental health improved, but I've been in the best mental headspace I've been in in years. And not only had I found a few new people to connect with, but I'd found a new church family who have just been so good to me since I started coming. So Yeah, I've just been so incredibly blessed this year and so blown away by the fact that even despite the craziness of this year and how much is going on, that God has still heard my little prayers, still been so faithful to me, and that even despite everything that's going on, yeah, he's still so, so good and still hears um, my little worries and concerns and still his faithfulness was so much greater than the faith that I had for what could have happened and he just surpassed everything I could have hoped. So yeah, I just hope that encourages you to keep pressing into those prayers that you have and keep believing and keep having hope. Man, this is our God, isn't it? This is the God I know and I experience 
time after time again. You know, Annabelle's story is just one of many stories that I continue to see and hear that testifies to the gentle power of a loving God in responding to the prayers of his children. So PBC family, we have this faith in God. It is a faith that fuels our prayers. It is a faith that gives us confidence to boldly enter the throne of grace with our prayer requests in our time of need. It is a faith that demands from us, I think, that we do pray big, bold, kingdom, life-transforming prayers for us and for others, for our city and for our nation. So let's do it, yeah? What are you praying for right now that requires faith? And what does your faith require you to pray right now? Pray big prayers, my friends. God is listening and he's ready to move in response.